Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You guys awake? You do realize that Christmas is 24 days away. How many of you are excited that Christmas is 24 days away? Okay, we got a little bit. How many of you are hoping to just make it through the next 24 days? Okay, we got some of that. How many of you are hoping to just make it through the next seven days? (laughs) How many of you are hoping that God will just help you get through today? Okay, there we go. All right. Um, There's a lot of us in that situation. Um, When I think about Christmas being 24 days away, um, when I first wrote this message, I wasn't very excited. I'm a little more excited now because we lit the Advent candle, we sing Christmas songs, I'm surrounded by Christmas decorations. That's helping me get my Christmas spirit up. But you know what I'm most excited about right now in this moment? I am super excited about the user management system I'm building for a requisitions web application. I just, I know, I'm such a nerd. I am so strange. I cannot switch gears in my brain. But I'm excited about that. And if you, if you know me, if you don't know yet, I'm a really big nerd. Um, and I'm constantly excited about some really, really specific, random, strange thing. And I seem to bounce from topic to po- topic, interest to interest constantly, and it drives my wife absolutely insane. It drives her insane because I'm always excited about this new thing. And every couple of weeks, I'm excited about a new thing. And I want to talk about it. And I like talking. Okay, <laughs> I like talking. So I just want to talk and talk and talk about this thing. And I'm over the top excited. But then if you were to ask me about it in like two or three weeks later, you could ask Zach, you could ask um, other people in my small group. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm excited about a new thing. There's a whole new thing. And I think it's probably really difficult for people who try to be my friend, like Joey Frady. Because I'm constant. friendships are built on shared experiences. And so when we find something that we both enjoy, I'm in and I'm excited and I like it for about two weeks. And Joe is the kind of guy who like plays something for like 20 years. Okay, he's like, he is committed. So it's, it's interesting. But I, I want new experiences all the time. I just get tired of stuff and I want something new. I want a new experience. I want a new change. What about you? you ever get tired of the same old, same old? Do you ever hunger for something new? Do you ever hunger for the wonder and excitement and the joy that maybe you had when you first started following Christ? When you first started following Christ, you had this sense of wonder and excitement and joy, and for whatever reason, it seems like that has dulled, and it started to get a little more gray. And everything was new, everything seemed brighter and sharper, but now that wonder and expectation and excitement seems dull. So how do we renew the wonder? How do we renew wonder so that our relationship with Christ stays fresh and stays alive and fertile and full of hope and joy? To answer that question, we're going to look at Mary's story in Luke chapter 1. Mary's story in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man. That means she was engaged, she was betrothed, she was promised to this guy, arranged wedding, whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. What's remarkable about the description here is that it's unremarkable. It's just two normal people in their normal life. You have Joseph and Mary. There's a a hundred or a thousand other Jewish young men and Jewish young women in the same exact situation. It goes on. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast her mind, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She says, What are you talking about, blessed among women? Why are you here? What is going on? What is happening here? I found favor. I'm just a normal Jewish girl engaged to a normal Jewish guy living what seems to be a normal, boring, uneventful Jewish life. There is no indication that she regularly spoke to angels or anything like that. There's no indication. I mean, she's troubled that this angel shows up or expected this sort of thing to happen. She did not expect this sort of thing to happen. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, because she was afraid. Because Angels don't usually show up and just start talking to you. The angel says, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son and shall call His name Jesus. Okay? Listen to this next part. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Notice what he says here. You will conceive, and he will be great. You, Mary, will conceive. You will do this thing, and then Jesus will be great. You will conceive, and he will be great. God wants to do something great in you and through you. And you're going to carry a child, and the child will be great. This is what he says to Mary. You know what's normal? Having a baby is normal. Now, if if you are unable to have a child or if you've been through childbirth, I'm not trying to diminish your experience. But what I'm saying is babies are born every day. There are people whose whole job and whole life kind of revolves around helping babies to come into the world. And they have full-time jobs. There's plenty of babies born every day. And Childbirth is is beautiful and magical and it's a miracle and it's disgusting. And it's all those things. And it's all those things. What I'm saying is there's there's been a lot of pregnant women every day and babies born every day since then till now. And the fact that Mary's going to carry a child is not unique to Mary. What's unique is who she is carrying. The Christ. Son of the living God. And God wants to do extraordinary things through Mary's life. She, God wants to do extraordinary things through your ordinary life. God wants to do extraordinary things through your ordinary life. And when God came to Mary, it wasn't Mary that was extraordinary. It was who she was going to carry that was extraordinary. Think about it. The shepherds. The shepherds that get told later on and the whole host of angels show up. Were the shepherds some great like philanthropist solving world hunger? No, they were just some guys watching their sheep. 
Jesus' disciples, are they world-renowned theologians? No. They're paper pushers and fishermen. Matthew worked for the IRS, and Peter had a boat. Right? Just regular, normal people. Abraham was some random dude. Moses was an orphan and a sheep herder. Rahab was a prostitute. David was a musician and a sheep herder. The smallest, the youngest of his family, the runt. Jesus was a carpenter. Joseph was just the guy engaged to Mary. And look what, look what the angel says to Mary next. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Right? Mary says, How is this going to work? Because you know I haven't done the work to have a child. This is a, how's this possible? And the angel says this, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Right? So what does the angel say? Mary says, how is this possible? I haven't been with a guy. She's a virgin. How's this going to happen? And the angel says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and give you great and mighty power and you will be amazing. Is that what it says? No. What does it say? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Overshadow. What does it mean to overshadow someone? Well, according to Google, overshadow means to tower above and cast a shadow over. Or, second definition, to appear much more prominent or important than. His competitive nature, nature often overshadows the other qualities. Or, an enormous oak tree stood overshadowing the cottage. Synonyms. Things like shade, dark and conceal, obliterate, eclipse, screen, shroud, veil, cloak, mask. To overshadow, to tower over, cast a shadow or appear much more prominent. I told you at the beginning that I often run from interest to interest, from idea to idea, and I'm, I'm regularly filled with wonder because I'm always excited about some new thing. Do you know what I've noticed kills wonder in me? The thing that kills wonder in me regularly is the need to feel important what kills joy what kills peace what kills wonder is the need to feel important maybe you never need to feel important maybe you don't deal with that but for me when i need to feel important when i'm worried about being important or other people thinking I'm important, then it shuts down wonder in my life. So how important do you need to be to be okay? How important do you need to feel to be okay day to day? In the eyes of people around you, how important do you need to be to be okay? When people are important to you, or when people important to you don't treat you important, are you okay? Are you okay? When other things or other people in their life seem more important than you, then what do you do? What do you do? Here's the truth. You can't make your mom and dad love you. You can't make your wife respect you. You can't make your husband love you. You can't make your kids prioritize you. You can't make your boss respect you or treat you with respect. 
And when we try, and guess what? We all try. We all try, then we, we fail. Take this text conversation from yesterday between my wife and I. Is that too small to read? It would be fantastic if it was too small to read. I'd really not read it to you. Um, so, <laughs> my wife, first thing in the morning, I'm downstairs with the kids. They're playing video games. I'm hanging out with them. She wakes up. She had slept in because she had been up, you know, preparing the Thanksgiving and all that stuff and working very, very hard and tired and exhausted. I hadn't been able to sleep. Um, so she gets up and she says, I get this text. Please take the eggs out of the fridge. To which I respond, what? What? And she says, take the, take the eggs out of the fridge. Duh. Uh, take the eggs, I don't know, out of their fridge. Okay, duh. And then she corrects it with duh. To which I respond, please refill the dehumidifier. I didn't mean the dehumidifier, I meant the humidifier. But I say, please refill the dehumidifier. To which she responds, I guess you don't want breakfast. Well, to which I respond, I guess you want dry skin. Right, because the humidifier keeps us, when our nose gets really dry, it cracks. And she says, fine. She says, that's fine. Don't be a butt. And I apologize for the vulgarity of my <laughs> beloved wife in church. I am sorry you have to see this. Her potty mouth on display for all to see. Don't be a butt. I need them out of the fridge. And I need to get in the shower before Alicia gets here. Because Alicia's coming over. She had to cook some macaroons and stuff for the baby shower and things. And I say, that's fine. Don't be a butt. <laughs> I need the dehumidifier filled. Oh, it's supposed to be a humidifier. It kind of takes the edge off when I keep saying it wrong. I need the humidifier filled and need to brush my teeth before Alicia gets here. And she says, you aren't going to be upstairs, are you? You're being stupid because I asked you to do one little thing. I can't believe you. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have a much higher view of your pastor <laughs> after, read, after reading this? How many of you, your respect for me has grown enormously? I don't understand why you're laughing. I don't, I don't get it. Because in that moment, I felt like this is the thing I need to do to make sure that I am important. You're telling me that didn't work? Did it work with my wife? No. It did not work with my Does it work with you? No. No. My wife accurately pointed out that I am a butt. And honestly, there was just something about her first words, her very first words to me in the morning being uh, a request to do something. Instead of, good morning, sweetheart, I love you so much, you're so amazing, and the king of the world, and the greatest ever, it was just, could you please do this thing for me? Her first words in the morning were a request for me to serve her, and that made me feel a thing. It made me feel something. So I responded by making her feel less important which, as you can see, didn't go over so well. And if this doesn't work with my wife, do you think it works with yours? No, but that doesn't stop you from doing it, 
You think that works with your husband? You think that works with your kids or your boss or your mom or your dad? No. Now, what if I would have said to my wife, sure, baby, no problem. It's already done. Do you think you could, if you get a chance before you come downstairs, refill the humidifier? Do you think that would have changed things? Not a chance. You guys do not know my wife. There is no chance in you know where that she was refilling anything. I don't know what marriage you're in. Because you know what? That would have still been, all that would have, all the only thing that would have been different there, and my wife is really intelligent. The only thing that would have been different is I would have then be, been using my communication skills, my highly honed communication skills to try to then manipulate her to make me feel more important. It's the same exact thing as, as responding smartly. I'm just now caging it and hiding it in this, in this kind, nice way. But I'm still saying, you know what? You asked me to do a thing, and you made me feel less important, so you need to do a thing. And I'll ask really nice, but this needs to happen so that I feel important. It wouldn't have changed anything. There's no way. Any attempt to get her to do this thing is just a different strategy for me to keep from feeling overshadowed. It's just a different way for me to try to avoid that feeling of being overshadowed. It's good to use communication skills in relationships, but if I have to use my communication skills every single time someone makes me feel less important, then guess what? I have a problem, right? I have a problem. And if you have to say something or do something every time that someone makes you feel less important, then you have a problem. If you have to lose your temper or withdraw, you know, with the cold shoulder, nothing's wrong. <laughs> or withhold gifts. You know, it's that time of, time of year. Some parents or people will withhold gifts because, oh, you haven't, you haven't called me this year. You haven't been nice to me this year. You haven't done this. So guess what? You're not getting anything. Withholding gifts. Withholding love. In a marriage relationship, withholding sex. Pouting. Escaping. If you have to do those things when someone makes you feel less important, then you and I both have a problem. Because to feel wonder and love and joy you need to be okay with being overshadowed. To feel wonder and love and joy, you have to be okay with being overshadowed. I have to be okay with being overshadowed. Mary had to be okay with being overshadowed for the wonder and amazement of what God wanted to do in her life to happen. And if she wasn't okay with being overshadowed, then she wouldn't have been able to have been used by God. And Mary was okay with it. In Luke 1, 38, she says this, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, she's presenting herself, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I'll do it. I'm, I'm in. Put me in, coach. Sign me up. I will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God so that he could do the thing he wants to do. And if you're a Christian, overshadowing is how God works in you and through you. It is how He works. John the Baptist said this, 
when they came to John and Jesus started getting more disciples than John. And John's disciples came and said, hey, you know, his church seems to be getting bigger or his thing seems to be getting bigger and people are talking more about Jesus than you. Then John says this, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He uses this illustration of a wedding. You know, when you are the best man, it's not all about you. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and hears him, he rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. If you are the Christian, then overshadowing is how God works in you and through you. And the only reason God is able to do anything in my life for the kingdom of God, it's not because I can sing, it's not because I I can talk, it's not because I'm smart or I'm funny or entertaining. It's not those things. The only reason that God can use me to do anything is because regularly and routinely I place myself in a position to be overshadowed by God. To be made the butt of the joke, if necessary. To decrease so that Someone can learn and someone can grow and God can teach and God can do His thing. And the only reason God is able to do anything in my life is because I've built into the routine structure of my life showing up in places where I'm ready and willing for God to overshadow me. I'm at church every week so God can overshadow me. I'm at small groups so God can overshadow me. When I read and meditate on Scripture, I'm expecting for God to show up and overshadow me and show me where I need to decrease and he needs to increase. That's how I read the scripture. That's how you should read the scripture. And if you want to see God do extraordinary things with your life, with your ordinary life, then sign up to be overshadowed. If you can't stomach being overshadowed by other people, you're not going to be any better at being overshadowed by God. So how do you renew wonder? How do we do this? How do you renew the wonder in your life? The question we started with. Advent is all about preparing our hearts for the coming Christ, for Christ's return, the anticipation of the return of Christ. And when he comes back, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. And guess what? It's going to be all about him. It's not going to be about me. Christ isn't going to come back and like, Put up pictures of me everywhere. He's not going to be celebrating Keith or Zach as amazing as you guys are. He's not going to be celebrating us. He's going to be celebrating the Christ. And when Christ comes back, it's going to be so amazing and we're going to be so insignificant. And in our insignificance, we will be filled with wonder. But you don't have to wait to be filled with wonder. You could prepare your heart now by becoming accustomed to being overshadowed on a regular basis. How do we do that? We do that by serving. When we serve others, then we allow ourselves to be overshadowed. That's, I mean, that's the thing. Like my, my wife asked me to serve her, to do this thing for her, and it made me feel like I was going to be overshadowed. And I didn't want that. So I pushed back. On the other hand, when I lean into serving others, then the overshadowing is voluntary. 
God can do His thing in me and through me. And if you're regularly showing up to serve others, then you will be overshadowed a lot. And you'll probably be used by God a lot. And you will have lots of chances to be filled with wonder. So, this week, I want you to prepare your hearts for Advent by serving somebody. Serving somebody. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's someone, a neighbor. Maybe someone you don't know. But serve them. I want you to think about this this week when when you get that tinge like, oh, you know, they just told me they're going to be going to someone else's house for Christmas and they were there for Thanksgiving most of the day. You start to feel overshadowed. Or someone asks you to do something or you're pushed. Maybe lean into that. I'm not saying you should always be like mince meat and walked all over all the time. But there's a, there's a time and place and an ability for us to lean into that. And that's part of following Christ. Say, okay, I'll decrease so that God can increase in this moment. So that's what I want you to do this week. I want you to serve someone. And I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to pray for us. I want you to think about who you can serve this week. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for, for pointing out to me the, the places where I'm, I'm silly, where I'm a butt, where I'm stupid, where I, I like get upset about these things and these feelings. And God, I'm not alone. I know all of us have these moments where we feel like we're being overshadowed and there's this jerk reaction inside of us. And we just want to push back. We want to, we want to fight that with everything inside of us. God, I pray that we would look at Mary's example. How when the, the angel showed up and said, God wants to overshadow you, she, she leaned into it and she accepted it and she served. And God, I pray that I would do the same thing, that we would do the same thing as a church family, that we would look for opportunities to serve rather than looking for opportunities where we can make sure that we feel important enough. Help us this week to lean into serving others rather than fighting to protect our own importance. God, I pray that as we allow you to overshadow us and show up in these moments where we decrease, that you would increase and fill us with the wonder of what it means to be used by you in your kingdom. Thank you for what you're going to do as we allow you to overshadow us as we serve. In Jesus' name, amen.